Uh, would you turn with me, please, to the second epistle of Paul to the Corinthians and to the tenth chapter in the portion of Scripture we read together, Second Corinthians chapter 10. And when we have found the place of our reading and we have God's word open before us, let us unite our hearts in prayer. A loving and eternal God, we bow again in thy holy presence. With thine own precious word open before us. Lord, when we come and pray, we speak to thee. Now, Lord, we come to this time of the service when thou dost speak to us. Lord, do come and speak to us through thy word. Give us, Lord, the listening ear. Grant us, Lord, the heart that is surrendered to thy word and is ready to receive thy word. And, O Lord, be pleased to put thy word deep within our hearts. Now, Lord, I ask thee that thou would grant to me the help of the Holy Spirit of God, and Lord, we might have been able to preach the word. And in preaching the word, we will preach Christ. We'll make much of his blood and of his finished work. We ask all these things in the Lord's name and ascribing to him all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And our text for this morning is that verse 1. Second Corinthians 10 and verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. Of all the congregations that Paul ministered to, perhaps the believers in the church at Corinth were the least spiritual. We know that from the first epistle. And there in the third chapter, Paul addresses the believers there and says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. He's saying, I can't address you as men and women who are spiritual, but as unto carnal. They were fleshly. Even as unto babes in Christ. They ought to have been mature believers. But instead they were carnal and fleshly and had not made much spiritual progress. He said they were still babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. Fear yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal? And walk as men. The believers at Corinth had made no spiritual progress at all. They were still babes in Christ. Paul says, I cannot feed you with meat. I can't give you the meat of the word. You're still babes. And he says, you're carnal. In his first letter to them, the apostles sought to correct the errors that were so prevalent in the church. And ministering to them in that first letter, he had to point out to them their sin. 
and their need to put matters right between them and God and put matters right between themselves and within the congregation itself. We know from the second letter that they did that. The Lord did work in their hearts. If we go back there to chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, in chapter 7 and verse 8, Paul says, I, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a reason, or for a season. Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. In other words, Paul was saying, well, you were made sorry by my first epistle because I pointed out to you your sin. And God worked in your heart and you were made sorry and you repented of your sin. Paul says, I'm sorry that I made you sorry, but at the same time, I'm glad you were sorry and you sorrowed over your sin. And here in the second epistle, he wanted them to know that when he dealt with their sin in their first epistle, he did so as graciously as he could. And as he continues to minister to them here in the second epistle, he does so in the same spirit, the spirit of Christ. For he says there in that first verse, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. In other words, Paul addressed them in Christ's stead. He addressed them in Christ's name, according to the meekness and gentleness of Christ. What a lovely way for Paul to speak about the Lord Jesus. What a lovely way for Paul to describe Christ, the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Take those two words. The word meekness has been described as the capacity to accept injury without resentment and praise without pride. It's the meaning of the word. To the capacity to accept injury without resentment and praise without pride. And then the word gentleness. This word means to deal with others with a sweet reasonableness. Meekness and gentleness. The word, meek, or the word gentleness is a word that's used to describe the clemency of a judge who is good and gentle as well as just. And when you look at those two words and you look at the meanings of those two words and they describe Christ, of course, perfectly. Such meekness and such gentleness are to be seen in our lovely Saviour. And no wonder the bride and the song of Solomon when addressing or speaking about her beloved, she called them all together lovely. 
He's altogether lovely in meekness and gentleness. And when we look upon him, we see clearly his meekness and his gentleness, and we can describe him as the perfect gentleman. That's how I want to look at Christ this morning. I want us to look on Christ as the perfect gentleman. And as we look at Christ, the perfect gentleman, and Paul referred to the meekness and gentleness of Christ, we begin by considering the character of the perfect gentleman. When Paul spoke about the meekness and gentleness of Christ, he would have had the character of Christ in mind. Let us think then of the holiness of Christ. The holiness of Christ. The Lord Jesus, of course, being God manifest in flesh, is all holy. He's without sin. He's holy, he's harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. And that's what holiness will produce. Holiness in a man or a woman's life will produce meekness and gentleness. If Christ is all holiness, and Paul spoke about the meekness and gentleness of Christ, then it stands to reason that spirit-filled man a spirit-filled woman will know all about these virtues of meekness and gentleness. Have you ever met a carnally-minded individual who exhibits meekness and gentleness? Who exhibits the meekness and gentleness of Christ in his life, in his character, in his behavior? Not at all. The two things are foreign. You can't have someone who's carnally minded, who's fleshly, exhibiting the character of Christ, his meekness and his gentleness. And surely as Christians, surely as Christians we want to be seen to be like Christ. Surely as believers we want to have this spirit of meekness and this spirit of gentleness. And if you and I know anything about being filled with the Spirit of God, there will be that meekness and gentleness. The Lord Jesus manifested those lovely virtues. Why? Because he is full of the Holy Ghost. We mentioned there this morning the Holy Spirit descending from heaven, resting upon him at his baptism. He was led by the Spirit. He was filled by the Spirit. Therefore, we see the meekness and gentleness of Christ. You go over there to Galatians 5. And in Galatians 5 we read about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And here's what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of the believer. Notice verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, what is it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, temperance, or goodness, faith, meekness and temperance. There you have the gentleness and the meekness produced by the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you and I are filled with the Spirit, then we will live our lives 
in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Christian who's filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, will be this Christian who has this meekness and gentleness. As well as the holiness of Christ, the words of Paul would speak to us about the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ. The Savior was pleased on one occasion and This is something the Lord very seldom did. Very seldom did the Lord, as it were, open his heart and reveal to others what was in his heart. He did that in Gethsemane's garden when he brought Peter, James and John with him and he opened his heart to them. And said that I was, he was exceeding sorrowful even unto death. But there was one other occasion when he did that. Didn't he say in Matthew 11 verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For I am meek, there it is, meekness of Christ. Where did it come? It was in his heart. And what is in a person's heart? That will be seen in his or her life. Paul, or the Lord says, my, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Over in Matthew 15, the Lord speaking about the heart. And in Matthew 15, and there in verse 18, we read, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And they defile the man, for out of the heart, see, out of the heart, Proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. It all comes from the heart. Well, here the Lord shows us his heart. And we look into the heart of Christ and what do we find? We find meekness and lowliness and gentleness. Mark the words, out of the heart. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's what he really is. That's what he really is. As a man thinketh in his heart, that's what he really is, so is he. But if a man is meek and lowly of heart, that will be seen, that will be exhibited in his life. If it's in his heart, if meekness and lowliness is in the heart, then that will be seen in the behavior, in the character, in the attitude, in the conversation of the Christian. Turn back, please, to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Here we read about an individual who professed to know the Lord. Acts chapter 8 and verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given... He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought the gift of God may be purchased with money. 
Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. See? What was in his heart was being produced by him. Peter says, Thy heart is not right with God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Peter dealt with a heart. You need to pray to the Lord, he said. Get your heart right. For thy heart is not right. Your heart is not right, Simon. Peter knew it wasn't right by the way Simon behaved. See? Peter knew by the way this man, Simon, behaved. And others who look upon us and look at our behavior. I'm talking about myself too. They'll know by our behavior what kind of a heart we have. As well as the holiness of Christ and the heart of Christ being meek and gentle would speak to us about the humbleness of Christ. Do those words, meekness and gentleness, not speak to us of just how humble the Savior is? Meekness and gentleness. Boy, you don't see much of it these days, do you? No matter where you look, you don't see much of meekness and gentleness today. Because you see, the common assumption is that when a man is meek, he basically can't help himself. And in the eyes of the world, a meek person is a weak person. When they meet someone who is meek, they jump to the conclusion, oh, that individual is a weak individual. Meekness and weakness. Join the two together. Couldn't be more wrong. Couldn't be more wrong. They could not be more wrong. For the Lord Jesus who was meek, meek, had the infinite resources of God Almighty at his disposal. Where's the weakness there? So often when people get into a position of power and authority as Christ had being God, when they get into a position of power and authority, you don't see much of meekness or gentleness with them. As we would say, they like to throw their weight around. But Christ was all-powerful. No man had more power and greater authority than the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, Paul spoke about the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Consider the power that Christ has, as spoken by John. There in John 1 and verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by him. There's his power. There's his authority. 
He had power to speak the worlds into being. He had power to bring all the planets into being. He had power to set the stars in their places and call everyone by name. He is the Almighty. And yet, he's meek and lowly. He is meek and lowly. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. Yet this King and this Lord is meek and lowly. You recall that day as we read in the scriptures in Matthew when he rode into Jerusalem and the crowds lined the streets. He rode into Jerusalem on his way to the cross which was a fulfillment of the prophet's words. And Christ rose in, rode into Jerusalem as the king, remember, as the king. Now you would have thought, that being so, Christ being king of kings, he would have ridden in a royal carriage drawn by a team of white stallions. He was king. But no. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, listen, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. There's our king. He could have commanded a white stallion to be brought to him. But no, he sent his disciples to go and get the colt of an ass, an old donkey, an old beast of burden. That's what Christ rode upon. And what does it say? Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. That's who he is. He is the king of glory. He's the king of glory, and yet at the same time, he's the perfect gentleman. Praise his name. He's the perfect gentleman. Do you ever meet someone like that and you say, that man is just a real gentleman. That was Christ. Not just a real gentleman. He was a perfect gentleman. We have considered the character of the perfect gentleman. That leads us then to consider the conduct of Christ the perfect gentleman. We have only to look at how the Saviour conducted himself as we see his meekness and gentleness is clearly seen by all. First of all, it is seen in his walk before men. You read through the Gospels. And there in every page you have the walk of Christ. As he walked the dusty roads, as he walked through the towns and villages and cities. And you look at his walk. And you see his meekness and his gentleness in his walk before men. At no time did the Savior lose his temper. Or say a word that later he regretted. Why? Because he's the perfect gentleman. 
at no time did he do something that later he had to go and apologize for. Why? Because he's the perfect gentleman. At no time did he do anything that was hurtful, hateful, or harmful to anyone. Never. Why? Because he's the perfect gentleman, that's why. That's the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. At no time did he behave in a sly way. At no time was he spiteful. At no time did he say anything sarcastically. Why? Because he's the perfect gentleman. At no time did he seek to deceive anyone or degrade anyone or defraud anyone. Why? He's the perfect gentleman. That's why. That's who he is. That's who Christ is. He was not known as a brawler. But he was known for his meekness. He was not known for being aggressive. Instead he was known for his gentleness. He was not known for being quick-tempered. And don't go immediately to his purging of the temple. When someone is quick-tempered, they've lost their temper. They're not in control. But when Christ purged the temple at the beginning and at the close of his ministry, his earthly ministry, he was under full control of his emotions. He exhibited righteous indignation at what they were doing in the temple. No, Christ... never quick tempered why because he's the perfect gentleman and you love to be in the company of someone like that all the time and you love to be walking in a long journey with someone like that all the time and you love to be with someone like that well praise the Lord we are. We can't see him as others could. But he's with us. And he walks with us. We're in the company of the perfect gentleman. There's an old saying. When you live with someone long enough you'll soon become like them. How long have we lived with Christ? And how like Christ are we? As well as his walk before men, we see this meekness and gentleness in his words unto men. The dear Savior was meek and gentle with the words that he used. When he spoke to others, even, even when his enemies came and spoke to him and used unkind and uncharitable words, we could still see the meekness and the gentleness of our dear Saviour. Remember, he's the Almighty. He's all-powerful. You go over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Just one example of the meekness and gentleness of Christ when things were said against him. For over there in Luke chapter 11, we read in verse 14, And he, 
was casting out a devil and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake and the people wondered. But some of them, some of them, but some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. That's what they said. That's what they accused them of. How did he respond? And others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided itself cannot, and a divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. There is the meekness and the gentleness of Christ in his response. Remember, remember, he's the Almighty. The Lord had the power at his fingertips to summon fire to come down from heaven and consume those who called him Beelzebub, the prince of devils. But he didn't. Instead, he responded with meekness and with gentleness. And you go on down the same chapter, chapter 11 of Luke, and the verse 27, And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. In other words, here was a woman praising the Lord. How did the Lord respond? And he said, but he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Do you remember what we said the word meekness means? The word meekness means the capacity to accept injury without resentment. We've seen that. What they said about him. Being Beelzebub. The capacity to accept injury without resentment. And praise without pride. This woman praised him. But there was no pride there. There's the meekness and gentleness of Christ. There are, of course, many examples of this in the Gospels. But I have to say, For me, for me, one of the greatest examples of the meekness and the gentleness of Christ is found in Mark and Matthew's Gospels when the Lord dealt with Judas Iscariot in the garden when Judas led that mob to arrest him. You look there at Mark Mark chapter fourteen. Mark chapter fourteen. And there we read in verse forty five. And as soon as he was come, he goes straightway to him and saith, Master, Master and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him. But Mark doesn't give us the whole picture. Go with me please to Matthew. 
in chapter 26. Matthew 26, in verse 47. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves, from the chief priests and elders of the people. And he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Heal, Master, and kissed him. But look at how Christ answered him. Look at how the Savior addressed Judas. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? The Savior knew all along who would betray him. The Savior knew all about Judas. And there was Judas away planning and scheming how much money he could get if he betrayed the Lord. And with 30 pieces of silver in his pocket, he came to the Savior and kissed him and said, Hail, Master! Oh, the hypocrisy of it! The Savior could easily have said, Judas, you old hypocrite, get out of my sight. But he didn't. He addressed him as friend. It's hard to take in, isn't it? The word the Savior used for friend is a word that means companion or partner. Partner, wherefore art thou come? You want to see an example of meekness and gentleness? Look there at Christ. In Gethsemane. How would we behave if someone did that to us? Think about it. If someone betrayed us, would we feel like going and addressing them and saying, Friend? No, I don't think so. Doesn't that show us just how unlike the Savior we are? <coughs> He's the perfect gentleman, as we've seen in his walk before men, as we've seen in his words unto men, and then we see it in his works for men. You consider, consider the miracles of Christ. Consider the miracles of Christ and you will see the meekness and gentleness of Christ when again and again and again he looked upon those in me and we read he was moved with compassion. That word compassion is a very strong word. The word compassion, with reference to Christ, the word means to be moved to the depth of his being. You know, you and I may see some poor down and out at the side of the road and we look at them and we say, oh, poor soul, poor character, and we pass them on by. Five minutes later, we've forgotten about them. Is that right? 
Christ looked at the leper and he was moved with compassion moved to the depth of his being and what did he do? He reached out his hand and touched him. There's not another man would have done that. Not another soul would have done that. But then that's the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Consider that same meekness and gentleness of Christ when he came upon that weeping mother coming out of the city of Nain. A widow, she'd already lost her husband. Now she'd lost her only son. And the Savior looked upon her and again was moved with compassion his heart was touched and he raised her son up you remember that day we read about it in Mark 10 and the mothers brought their children to him and just to show you how far removed the disciples were from a Christ likeness When the mothers came with their children, the disciples would have sent them away. Don't bother him. Because if you've ever been to Jerusalem, there's children everywhere. The disciples wanted to chase the mothers. They didn't have a heart for the children the Savior had. Suffer. The little children to come unto me. And forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Listen. And he took them up in his arms. Laid his hands upon them. And blessed. That's what we're talking about. That's what Paul's talking about the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I tell you, there's never been a more gentle and meek physician than Christ. There's never been a more meek and gentle friend than Jesus Christ. There's never been a more gentle and meek individual than Jesus Christ. He's the perfect gentleman. He's the perfect gentleman. Why don't you want to broadcast that from the hilltops? Christ, the perfect gentleman. That's who he is. The meekness and gentleness of Christ. There's never been one like him. Never will be. Consider the character of Christ. The conduct of Christ, the perfect gentleman. man. In the last place we have the consideration of the perfect gentleman. In appealing to the Corinthian believers, Paul spoke about the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. That was the spirit in which he had ministered unto them. And would that not be what How we would like to live out our days. As we've considered the Lord this morning. And seen him as the perfect gentleman. Has the spirit not prompted us. 
touched our hearts by taking the words that come from these lips of clay. Because I must confess, when dealing with something like this, I feel so inadequate. But whatever we have heard this morning, has the Spirit not spoken to us? And prompted us to say, I want to be more like him. I want to know more of this meekness and gentleness in my life. The person who perhaps has a, tem a quick temper or a person who's grumpy all the time complains about everything would do well to consider Christ. Consider him. The person who holds spite and finds it difficult to forgive or who is not very caring about those in need do well to consider Christ and surely every Christian wants to be more and more like their saviour in character in conversation in conduct. Consider him who suffered such contradictions of sinners against himself. The word contradiction is a word that means to speak against. Consider him who suffered such contradiction, who suffered so many things been said against him by sinners, yet he always maintained that meek and gentle spirit. Praise his lovely name. That's who he is. Does that then not fill us, first of all, with a desire? Would it not be our desire to show in our daily lives the meekness and the gentleness of Christ? After all, the Savior himself said, Blessed, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's a blessing we could all do with, isn't it? Blessed are the weak. In Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3 verse 12, Paul says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, that's us, God's people, we're the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Above all these things put on charity, which is the bond perfectness. Put on. Paul is saying this is how you should go out dressed. This is your clothing. Put it on. Whether you go out or whether you're in at home, we're to wear the same clothing. And Galatians 3 verse 27, Paul says, put on Christ. Paul said again in Titus 3 and verse 2, 
Speak evil of no man. Be no brawlers, but gentle. And showing all meekness unto all men. See, there's it again. Speak evil of no man, be no brawlers, but gentle and showing all meekness unto all men. And when we consider the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, would it not be our desire, our desire, Lord, make me more like Christ. It would be my desire to be more like him. That God would continue the work of sanctification in my life. That I might be conformed to the image of his person. Lamb of God, I look to thee. Thou shalt my example be. Thou art gentle, meek, and mild. Thou wast once a little child. Fain I would be as thou art. Give me thine obedient heart. Thou art pitiful and kind. Let me have thy loving mind. Let me have thy loving mind. The desire and the display. That is, as believers ought we not to display the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. When dealing with difficult and cantankerous individuals, when we're mocked or we're laughed at because we love the Lord, let's display the meekness and the gentleness. When we feel that we have been wronged and treated unfairly, let us once again display the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. That's what he did. In Second Timothy chapter 2, there we read Paul, of course, ministering to Timothy in Second Timothy 2. And we read in verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, up to teach patient in meekness. There's the two virtues again. Gentle unto all men, up to teach patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Oh, to be more like the Lord. As we sang there earlier on, not me, but Christ who liveth in me. Loving Jesus, gentle Lamb, in thy gracious hands I am. Make me Saviour what thou art. Live thyself within my heart. The perfect gentleman. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Let us just even now for a moment Meditate upon what we have heard, what the Lord has said to us. And let us even now pray, Lord, make me what thou art. <coughs> Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Thou was once a little child. 
O Lord our God, we realize that we know so little about the Saviour. When we consider one who is so meek and gentle, Lord, how we realize we're so unlike him. So unlike him. Lord, I confess my unlikeness to Christ. And ask the Lord to wash me in the blood. Lord, put thy word deep within our hearts today. And work in our hearts and prepare us for coming to thy house again this evening. That we may spend time around the word. That we may see Christ afresh. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be our abiding portion now and until the day breaks and the shadows all flee away. Amen. <clears throat>